Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. A great good afternoon to you and yours. After a rainy start to the day, things are clearing up yet, yet a bit. Tomorrow should be a beautiful day. And by this time tomorrow, we'll know exactly who is the newest of the New Orleans Saints. We've got a lot to talk about today, so let's not waste any time with it. My main man, James Mesh. In the broadcasting producer's chair in the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's all on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head west on I 10, you'll run into Lake Charles, where you'll find KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles. Streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on and see us because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Saints on the clock later on this evening. Pick number 29. Will they stay there? Will they not? Your guess is as good as mine. Mickey Loomis, define the Saints' philosophy in the draft. It's tough to do this in a concise manner, but I would say, look, we're looking for the best player that we can get, best football player we can get. Um, And that encompasses a lot of things. It's not just about ability. It's about about the makeup of the player. Does he fit our culture? Is he going to be great in our locker room? All the, you know, does he have leadership skills? It's all these other things outside of um, ability, physical ability. Um, so I, I think that's that's an important part of it. In in terms of who we're drafting, it's, man, let's get somebody we love. And uh, that may be at a position that we need, and hopefully it is, but it may be at a position that we already have as a strength. So with that in mind, Mickey Loomis, do you have any must-need position players in this draft? Um, I think there's some things that we'd like to have. I don't know that I would call any of them musts. Um, I think we've done a pretty good job in this offseason of taking uh, a lot of those musts and and turning them into wants or needs uh, in our vernacular. All right, we shall see later on this evening. The rich just keep getting richer as the nation's top women's basketball transfer prospect is now an LSU Tiger. Haley Van Lith, a two-time All-ACC guard at Louisville, announced her decision to transfer to LSU today on social media. Five foot seven from the state of Washington, Van Lith fills a big need for the Tigers following the departure of senior Alexis Morris to the WNBA after LSU's first ever NCAA Women's Basketball Championship. Alexis Morris, a better athlete, quicker, 
better defender, but Van Lith is a veteran point guard and a dynamic perimeter scorer. Until the final four, I thought the biggest weakness of this LSU women's basketball team was their consistence in making outside shots and the utilization of the three-point line. That's not a problem anymore. Van Lith has two years of eligibility remaining. Um, ranked as the number one woman's player in the transfer portal. So now you have the perfect inside-outside combination. Inside with All-American forward Angel Reese, who, if you recall, was the top prospect in the portal last year out of Maryland. And now you have the top player in the portal from Louisville coming in. The lefty is a prolific outside shooter. Inside, outside, LSU is going to be um, the hands-on favorite by far to win the national championship last year. This coming year, she averaged 19.7, round up to 20 points, three assists, five rebounds a contest. She led the Cardinals to the Elite Eight, where they lost to Iowa 97 to 83. So the Ricks just keep on getting richer. And who knows? There's another one out there, big from DePaul, who's also in the in the loop. So uh we shall see. Speaking of the Ricks getting richer, um Livy Dunn, who of course is the um, top valued female college athlete, according to on3.com, the gymnast from LSU, the most followed NCAA athlete on social media across TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. She has about 11.3 million followers with an NIL valuation of 3.5 million based on performance, influence, and media exposure. Well, guess what? Olivia Dunn will make her Sports Illustrated swimsuit debut next month. Congratulations to Livy Dunn. Wow. NBA playoffs last night. My goodness gracious. We have an Eastern Conference semifinal matchup set up as the New York Knicks beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 106-95 to win that best-of-seven series four games to one and in the shocker of shockers, uh, the Miami Heat beat the Milwaukee Bucks in overtime, 128-126. My, my, Miami advances to the semis with a 4-1 series win in that one. Those two games played last night. We'll get into it a little bit. Uh, Mike Budenholzer of the Bucks should be fired as the head coach. It's not a very smart team. They made bonehead plays down the stretch. Just inexcusable. The Memphis Grizzlies are alive. They came back home to Memphis and beat the Lakers 116 to 99. The Lakers looked tired. Uh, LeBron James with 15 points and 10 rebounds. They got a great game from, from Anthony Davis, who had 31 points and 19 rebounds. But the Grizzlies were just, it, it was a close ball game for a while. And then Memphis goes on a 26 to 2 run. And that was all she wrote. The Lakers could not contain the backcourt as Desmond Bain ran off for 33 points and 10 rebounds. John Morant with 31 points and 10 rebounds. So the starting backcourt combined for 64 points, 20 rebounds, and 12 assists. 
Lakers look tired. Grizzlies look fresh. So uh, that series now three games to two in favor of the Lakers as they head back to Tinseltown for game six. Uh, the best series of them all. After being down two games to none, the Golden State Warriors have responded, winning three straight. Last night, winning their first road game of the playoffs, and that's all they need to do is win one if they can defend their home turf. They beat the Kings 123-116. to Here's the story on the, on the Golden State Warriors. Sacramento's a really good team. They're young. They're inexperienced. They have not been there and done that. Golden State has. Steph Curry with 31. Clay Thompson with 25. Draymond Green with 21. Kayvon Looney with 22 boards. Andrew Wiggins with 20 points. Their stars came out. They balled. They won. They're up now three games to two in their series and looking to close things out in San Fran. Yes, indeed. So, um, a lot to talk about today, and we'll get all to it. Our guest list is as follows. Al Salas, one of our Saints uh, analysts and reporters, will join us in just a few minutes. We'll get his thoughts on pick number 29. Do the Saints stay pat? Do they move up? Do they go offensive interior lineman? Do they go edge rusher? What do they do? You heard Mickey Loomis. We go after the best player, whether it's a position of need or not, and so many f- characteristics factor into the pick. We'll talk to Al about the Saints. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. We'll talk about the draft in general. Everybody says it's going to be Bryce Young pick number one, and then the draft begins with the Houston Texans. Do they remain at number two? Does somebody trade up to get that pick? We shall see what happens. We'll discuss it all with Frank Schwab. In our number two, LSU football got a big-time commitment yesterday. LSU women's basketball gets a huge commitment today. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com, will give us all the details. He is uh, one of the greatest LSU baseball players ever. He is now an SEC legend at this year's SEC baseball tournament. He's also a college baseball television analyst. Um, Todd Walker will join us at around 3.15, and then we'll talk NBA playoffs. We'll talk about uh, the Pelicans and all that with Christian Clark. So we are jam-packed, loaded. It's going to be a fun, fun show. I'm so grateful that you have dialed us up. Hope you stick around. We'll take our first time out of the day, and then we'll talk Saints and the NFL Draft next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, if you haven't seen the defending World Series champs in person yet, no worries. Because the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Oakland A's on Saturday, May 20th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways, powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
And we are back better than ever on this uh, Thursday, April 27th, the year 2023 NFL draft day, the New Orleans Saints with pick number 29. Are they going to stay there? Are they going to try and move up? Are they going to go defensive line? Are they going to go best player event? Who knows what the Saints are thinking? I don't. Maybe our next guest does. There's one of our expert Saint analysts. Al Salas, kind enough to join us. Happy draft day, Al. How have you been, sir? Hey, happy draft day right back at you, fellas. And I've been well, Jordy. I've been well. How have you been? Everything's good. Everything's good. So um, here we are. All the all the hay is in the barn, so to speak. And I know the Saints can't control their own destiny. They got to wait and see how other things fall ahead of them. But what kind of percentage do you give of the Saints moving up into this draft? And what would be a reasonable landing spot to move from number 29 to what? I think it's a great question, Jordy. Obviously, if you look at the track record of Mickey Loomis, you know, he's a GM who's been really aggressive as far as when the Saints like a guy and he falls, they normally go after him. So, you know, we look at look back at Brandon Cooks, uh, Marcus Davenport, you know, last year they obviously traded away this year's first to land Alave. So, I think if the Saints can get one of these top prospects to fall, uh, particularly these defensive linemen, whether it's the edge guys or the interior, I look at the Saints possibly trading up anywhere from, I'd say, probably 17 to 23. If mm-hmm. one of these guys, like a Luke Van Ness or a Brian Brees or a Miles Murphy from Clemson falls, I think the Saints certainly are going to be aggressive in trying to land one of these guys. Hmm. Interesting. Um, what is your preference uh, of position? <laughs> for the Saints to pick it uh, with their first-round pick. And I'll, I'll share with you uh, mine. I want I want an elite edge rusher. I want – there's so many passes thrown and so many um, things that go on in a football game. I want somebody that can affect the quarterback. Uh, and, and that's me personally. I, I'll get some linebackers to help shot the, stop the run game, whatever. They, they throw the ball too much in the NFL. I need somebody to affect the quarterback. That's my thought. Share yours. Right. I think I think, that's, I think we share the same thought here, Georgia. I think obviously the Saints, if they can trade them and land one of these edges, whether it's Luke Van Ness from Iowa or Miles Murphy from Clemson, uh, look, you need a, you need an opposite edge threat of Cameron Jordan, who is you know still a quality player but getting up there with age. You're still waiting right. for Payne Turner to show you some consistency, which really hasn't happened since he's been in the NFL. Uh, I would look at those guys. However, Jordy, I would throw this at you. Say if the edge guys go in the mid to early teens, right? So the Saints are looking around, say, picks 19 and 20. <laughs> if Texas is running back, B. John Robinson somehow falls, yeah. and I think it's likely, falls into the low 20s, I, I think that might be the guy you go to put you over the top offensively. You know, you could have that one-two punch between Kamara and Robinson. And plus, when – I think it's more a matter of when Kamara does get suspended for what happened in Vegas a couple of years ago. Bijan can certainly carry the load. Um, and I think he, he's, he's a top three player in this draft overall. It's just he plays the most expendable position in the NFL. Right. Um, right. But the talent is, is no question. If he falls to the low 20s and the edge guys are gone, that's the guy I would maybe consider moving up for to put you over the top offensively. If the eggs rushers are gone, if Bijan Robinson is gone and you stay padded 29, do you go interior defensive line? I've talked to so many people that are that think that this uh, defensive tackle from Michigan, Mozzie Smith, 
is the answer. Is he? Right, and Mozzie Smith is a very good player, and I think at 29, uh, that's not a very bad spot for him at all. I think he's more of a, a high-end second-round player, and normally in the NFL, when you're picking from, say, 24 on back in the first, it's essentially a second-round pick, and I think that's when you kind of reach for guys who maybe wouldn't be there um, in the early second, and Smith makes a lot of sense. The other guy that obviously has gotten a lot of clamor is uh, Kalaja Kansi, the tackle from Pitt. Uh, there's more that he might go a lot earlier than initially thought. Um, so I think defensive tackle is a very, a very, a position the Saints could certainly address. And I think Smith would be a quality player at 29. Um, if they do decide to stay packed, but we'll, <laughs> this team is full of surprises. Jordy, me and you both know that. Um, so it should be interesting how that goes tonight. What are your thoughts on Alabama running back Jameer Gibbs? And do you think he's a first round pick? What if he falls back? to round number two, and here come the Saints. They need a running back, I believe. If he's available, I like him. What do you think of him? Right. It's funny because you look at Jameer Gibbs in Alabama, um, his his pro comp for me would easily be uh, Alvin Kamara, but with 4-3 speed, and I say that with, uh, with all due respect to Kamara, but Jameer Gibbs has the same balance, the ability to catch out of the backfield, uh, the ability to make guys best to keep his balance. And he's fast. <laughs> so I think mm. if the Saints were to go the, with the defensive line in the first round and then at 40, if you needed to move up a couple spots to secure Jameer Gibbs, I think that would be that would be a, a path the Saints could go down. Um, but Jameer Gibbs would be an instant fit for this offense. Um, Al Salas with us. We, we know Dennis Allen's a defensive coach. He's got his quarterback. He's, we're all hoping that Michael Thomas is healthy and stays healthy. Do the Saints address more of a – is this going to be more of a defensive-loaded draft, or do you think they're going to – who knows? I mean, wide receivers, you need another one of those, I believe. You can never get enough offensive linemen. You can never get enough cornerbacks. Are they good at right. the linebacker? You know, you need a, you need somebody in every spot when you really break it all down and think about it because you're trying to get better than what you were a year ago. Right, you're right, Jordan. I think, you know, looking at the way this draft could fall potentially, and that's the unique thing about this NFL draft this year, nobody really knows how it's going to play out. I think the only maybe quote-unquote given is that Bryce Young goes number one, and after that it's anybody's guess from picks two to 32 how it turns out. And uh, yeah, I, I think if the run on edge players and defensive linemen begins in the first round, I think the Saints maybe shift focus offensively and get better value at picks 29 uh, if they stay there or at pick 40. Uh, just depending on the value of the running backs, the receivers, the tight ends, because uh, there should be some quality guys at those picks, at those positions. Um, and then you look at defensively, there's still plenty of, of good talent later on the Saints could address. You know, As Mickey said, for now we have eight picks. <laughs> so... I, right. I lean more towards offensively. I think they're going to try and get this right after the disastrous uh, showing they had last year offensively. I think they want to get it right and put together a top five unit uh, that we maybe should expect maybe from you know Derek Carr, Michael Thomas, and all that. But I lean more towards offensively. I think that will be the focus of this draft. Okay. Um, again, in my perfect world, uh, you get a great edge rusher. You get a, a – really good running back and if there's a dynamic tight end seems like every team that gets to the super bowl or every team every quarterback that thrives has that 
that tight end who plays like a wide receiver. He's just bigger, stronger. He makes catches. He breaks tackles. Uh, he's just a great athlete. That, that's another um, that's another position of need, I think. Uh, Jawan Johnson, fine, but I think they got to get better there as well. Right, and I think it's a, another great point to mention about tight ends nowadays, Jordy, is Travis Kelsey's making – over half less than what the top wide receivers are making yearly on the market. So adding another threat at the tight end, uh, who is strictly a receiving threat, you know, it costs you less than half than what wide receivers go for nowadays. So if you can add that elite talent at the tight end position in the draft, you've, you've nailed it. I think Dalton Kincaid from Utah is a guy they could look at. Michael Meyer from Notre Dame, obviously. Um, another guy that both of them could be there hypothetically at 29 and 40. Um, to pair with Juwan Johnson, and uh, that should be – it would be interesting to see how they would how they offensively that would work out because you think about it, with two tight ends, it takes pressure off Michael Thomas as well. The wear and tear wouldn't be there because you have another receiving threat who could be a big body guy. So, I don't think there will be the move here, and I wouldn't hate that either. Okay, we won't hold you to it because it's pure guesswork. But if the Saints stand pat at number twenty-nine, who 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 is um, Roger Goodell going to say uh, the Saints draft uh, when they are on the clock? What who do they get? All right, so staying at twenty-nine, no trades. I'm going to go with the Saints taking. And I have to assume all the defensive ends are gone at that point. Okay, give me uh, give me Jameer Gibbs. I think Bijan Bijan will be gone, but I oh. think you have Alva Kamara, an Alva Kamara duplicate uh, that can take the load off. And with that suspension, Gibbs can fill in admirably with Jamal Williams and and uh, keep the running game going. I love it. I love give it. Gibbs. That's, that's completely different from anyone else I've asked. I love it. That's great. Uh, Al Salas. I've got the draft on one. I've got. The Celtics and the Hawks on another one, and I'm going back and forth tonight. It's a pretty good night if you're a sports guy. Um, I greatly appreciate it. We'll we'll uh, we'll evaluate it, of course. In my opinion, uh, the Saints need to hit strike gold on three of their picks. They can get three quality picks of guys that can come in and play right away and make an impact, and it's a heck of a draft. What do you think? I agree with you 100%, Jordy. I think that's that's their magical number. If you get three guys right away that contribute, contribute – and kind of help take this team to the next level in a weekend NFC, that's that's the dream right there, 100%. Awesome. We'll see what uh, their rival in the NFC South Carolina does. Everybody thinks it's Bryce Young, and then I think the draft starts with Houston. But we'll see what the Saints do. Are they going to roll the dice? Are they going to stand pat? That's what makes it fun. We'll find out later on this evening. Al, thank you. Enjoy it, and uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. All righty, boys. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good draft night. And like Mickey said, for now, we have a picks. <laughs> for now. Very good. He always leaves that little carrot out for us. He always does. Al Salas, thank you so much. We'll take a timeout here when we come back. We'll get the national perspective of things from our NFL analyst, Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports. The Schwab, next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by our great partners, ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. 
by ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. Louisiana Lottery, so many games, so many options, to, uh, but you can't win until you start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon, I-10 at the Henderson-Cecilia exit with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger ever, and by Cajun Chef. Man, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, as we all know, it's the day we've been waiting for as NFL fans. It's the first round of the 2023 NFL Draft. Coming to you live this evening from Kansas City, Missouri, home of the Kansas City Chiefs, Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, and company. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports covers the NFL and covers um, uh, Vegas and all the odds makers. And, boy, uh, he's kind enough to join us on a very busy day. Frank, good afternoon, man. How are you? Hey, Jerry. How's it going? It's good. It's good. I, you know, there's a, a gazillion mock drafts out there. I always follow what Vegas says, and, and Vegas seems to always know what's going on. But is this going to be a volatile draft? Do you see after after Carolina makes their pick, whoever that's going to be, do you see the draft starting tonight with the Houston Texans? Yeah, it really feels that way. And, I, I mean, I'm sure this is something we say many years, but it, it really feels true that this is – the most unpredictable draft I can remember. Hey, Bryce Young is going to be one, I assume, anyway. I mean, uh, that really hasn't changed too much in the past few weeks. But after that, who knows? I mean, it, it even, you know, I mean, you talked about the odds real quick. The, you know, when I woke up this morning, Will Levis was a favorite to go number two. The uh, next time I checked, Will Anderson, the uh, rush end of Alabama, was minus 350, which people who know betting know that's pretty heavy favorite. And the, I, I didn't even see any reports. I didn't see, like, nobody reported that that was the pick. It's just a lot of money coming in on Will Anderson. So we don't even know who the second pick's going to be. How, how could we predict the third, fourth, fifth, sixth pick? I, I couldn't tell you with any level of confidence, any pick beyond number one. <laughs> it just it could go any number of different ways. Think about Seattle at five. Could they go quarterback? Could they go Jalen Carter? If uh, Tyree Wilson, the, the Texas Tech rush end, if he falls them, do they go that direction? I mean, every pick you could make this, you know, this kind of uh, argument with, except for the first pick. And everything after that, it, it, if you're doing a mock draft, you'd be happy to get four or five right this year. You're exactly right. Frank Schwab with us. I guess the big question is, um, D'Amico Ryans is the new head coach of the Texans. Uh, well, I thought they needed a quarterback, but apparently, <laughs> unless they're the greatest um, poker players in the world, apparently they're not going after one. And, and I guess my question is, why? Really confusing to me. And here's what I've been arguing the whole time. I, part of the argument people have made is, well, yeah, you take the defensive player, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, whoever you want. And then next year you can go get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May when the quarterbacks are better. For one thing, that's always a fallacy. It, how many times do we always hear that, oh, next year's quarterback class is better? Right. not always true. I mean, once right. NFL teams really start digging into these guys like Caleb Williams, Drake May, I'm not saying they're bad prospects, but 
once they start digging into them, finding their faults, all of a sudden, by the time we get the next draft season, they're not as elite as we think they are sometimes. I, maybe they will be. Maybe this is going to be just one of those drafts with, with two, three, four great quarterbacks. But we don't know that right now. We, the Texans do not know that they're getting number one pick either. I mean, they could be in a situation next year, you win enough games, you're picking fifth, and then you've lost out on quarterbacks. Right. And also, Jordy, here's what I've been saying. What's wrong with taking two quarterbacks? I, why has this been such a foreign concept, taboo in the NFL? Why is it, let's say they at number two draft C.J. Stroud, just, just to throw out a name. C.J. Stroud's fine, but you get the number one pick next year, and Caleb Williams is number one pick overall. Do you think that guy's a future three-time MVP? Hey, Caleb Williams, trade C.J. Stroud. Who cares? It's quarterback. It's the most valuable position in sports by a mile. What's so bad about the thought of possibly doubling up there? I don't I don't get why that's such a bad thing. And also passing on quarterback, how could you sell those fans on another year of basically we're tanking? We are. We're going to be awful yes. this year. But, hey, where's your season yes. ticket deposit? You know, I, just, yes. I don't know what they're doing. I think this is a really bad decision. Unless, hey, I guess, you know what? If you hate every single quarterback beyond Bryce Young, maybe they do. Maybe they're just like, none of these guys is a future NFL starter. Okay, I, I guess I get that. You don't take a quarterback just to take one, but I think these quarterbacks are pretty good. Maybe not Levis, but I I, I, I like Richardson's upside. I like Stroud, period. I think I don't know why he's falling if he is. Uh, I just think that, that it's, it's strange to me. This whole thing is kind of strange to me that the Texans wouldn't take a QB. I think it comes down to this, Frank. I, I've, I've thought about this. I personally wish, and I think the players would wish, that the draft would be held the week after the season was over. All, if you dig up enough, I think you're the greatest, yeah. smartest person out there covering football, Frank Schwab. But if I analyze you for three months and dig into your your past, your present, and your, I mean, we're going to find flaws in everybody. There is no such thing as perfection. And I think that's what the I think these people analysis by paralysis. I mean, they just go over and over and they change their minds so many times. My goodness, we're going to find flaws in everybody. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I mean, that there's a thing, it, you know, it, there's something, you know, trusting your gut, right? Like your first yeah. instinct on a guy is usually going to be right. And we see teams talk themselves in and out of these players so often that they just make. Like I think last year was a great example. I was just talking about this actually. The Jacksonville Jaguars were on the clock for so long, and Aiden Hutchinson had just come out. He was finished second in Heisman Trophy voting, I believe, or third maybe. He was a great prospect. Everything you'd want out of a football player, Aiden Hutchinson had, and he was a favorite forever and ever and ever. And then we get the draft week, and all of a sudden it's like, no, no, they really like Trayvon Will <laughs> Trayvon, um, and it's like, why did you overthink this? Why? Why was right. that? Your pick, I, I don't, I don't get why, you know. And then the Detroit Lions run up their card to the, the the podium because they know Aiden Hutchinson's a stud. Trevon Walker, I could, I don't know why I blanked out his last name. Uh, why would you go with Trevon Walker when you know Aiden Hutchinson's? A, I think if the draft, honestly, honestly, goodness, Shorty, to your point, I think if the draft happened last year on February twentieth, Aiden Hutchinson would have been the first pick of the draft. The Jaguars would have been happy with it. I think yep. they just kind of talked yep. themselves. Maybe not out of Hutchinson, but into Wow Walker has these measurables, and the combine was this and that, and he could draw these. And I just don't see it. I it, you'd almost be better off with your first gut instinct, which is, hey, no Aiden Hutchinson's a heck of a player. And the same thing, you know, I mean, you hear like Tyree Wilson might go ahead of Will Anderson and all that. To me, take Will Anderson. Like, 
<laughs> we know what he can do. He put up well, 15, 16 sacks at Alabama last year in the SEC. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally agree with you that these teams overthink things. Just look at the tape and watch how they play. I, I don't care what they do on a on a 40-yard dash and cone drill. Watch them play football. That, uh, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. If there's a team to trade, to make a trade with, isn't it Arizona? They've already got a quarterback. Yeah. Don't they need to stockpile some draft picks and make a deal with maybe a Tennessee or an Indianapolis who we know needs quarterbacks? Um, that seems to be to be the team that if it's not going to be Houston making a deal, uh, it certainly should be Arizona or maybe both. Yeah, and I think that especially Arizona, I mean, all reports say Arizona's been pretty desperate to get out of that three spot. They they need a ton. That bad roster's really bad. I mean, the Cardinals could be really bad this season unless Jonathan Gannon, their new coach, is just a magician because they lack so, uh, across the board, almost talent, just about every every level of offense and defense, even their quarterback's hurt. They, You know, I mean, everybody's saying that they want an offensive tackle. They want Paris Johnson out of uh, Ohio State. You could get him at ten or eleven. I think is where the the Houston or the Tennessee Titans draft. Why do I? Why can't that deal work? The Titans need a quarterback. Move up to three. Get C.J. Yeah. Stroud. Start over there. And the the Cardinals move down. But I wonder at the a. I wonder if maybe we're higher on all these quarterbacks and all NFL teams are. I mean, if the Houston Texans are saying, "Nah, we're good with David Davis Mills." Maybe that's a sign to us that maybe some of these quarterbacks really drop. Uh, because, yeah. And if the Tennessee Titans aren't, I, I guess Arizona's not moved out of that spot. I mean, maybe they will. I mean, we got a few hours left here. But maybe it's just a sign that the Titans are like, no, we're not going to move up for these guys. We don't think they're that good. I, it's at least possible. And then Arizona's kind of stuck with a pick. What do you do? Do you, do you just take the best player on the board? Do you take the tackle you really want? I, I don't know, but. It's interesting to me if if Arizona doesn't move out of that spot. I mean, that just might be a sign to us that we've overrated the quarterbacks in this class, and the NFL is much lower on them than they should be. Because yeah, I mean, Houston should be taking one. Tennessee should be trading up to to get one. There are a few other teams that could. Washington could use one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detroit and Seattle could use one for the future. I mean, and, and so if these guys slip, I mean, I think that's kind of a sign that that maybe they're not as good as we think. Kind of curious uh, at number five, Seattle. Uh, they signed Geno Smith to a new three-year deal. I don't know how old Pete Carroll is, but he's getting up there. I don't know how many more years he wants to coach. You talked about what's wrong with getting two quarterbacks. You got Geno Smith. A lot of yeah. people have Anthony Richardson from Florida penciled in. I don't know if Pete Carroll's going to be around long enough to see this kid develop into a starting quarterback. You got that tackle from Georgia who ran afoul of the law in a bad situation, but he's a hell of a football player. Mm-hmm. What do you think Seattle does? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I have the same conundrum as you do with they could go different directions. I mean, there's no problem with them drafting Anthony Richards. It's kind of a perfect situation where Richardson can sit and learn. There's no pressure on him, really. I, Pete is the oldest coach in, in the NFL. He's actually older than Bill Belichick. I believe Pete is 71, maybe 72. So you're right. Like, you're not here for the long haul, but I think he's also pretty smart to know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is good for the franchise. This is your bonus pick, basically. It's a, it's a free money pick from the Broncos because of the Russell Wilson right. trade. You almost look at that, it, it, hey, if we get, I mean, it's a luxury. Can we get a quarterback of the future that we're really excited about? I mean, somebody pointed out they were really, really uh, excited about Josh Allen coming out. They couldn't get him and didn't. But same type of deal where Richardson has all these measurables that you like. So they get the develop him, don't need to play him week one. I think that that's a, a really good landing spot, actually, for Anthony Richardson. But 
On the other side of it, you say, well, we do got our quarterback for the next three years. He played really well last year. And we could draft at five, maybe Tyree Wilson, maybe Jalen Carter. They, you know, like you talked about, an elite defensive player. And they really need defense. I think they're, it, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a really, really tough call in that draft room to say, do we get the defense player for now or do we get the quarterback for the future? I, I, I think they go defense. I really do, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. If they're just like, hey, Anthony Richardson's upside is so great, we need to take a shot on this guy because how often we don't want to be drafting in the top five again for a while. Let's go back to Houston. Um, how much credence do you give? All right, we got we've got two picks, pretty high picks in the first round. Um, we hmm. need a quarterback. There's a quarterback out there in Baltimore that can't seem to strike a deal. Hey, Baltimore, we'll give you a first round pick this year, first round pick next year. Give us Lamar Jackson, and we'll call it a day. You see any chance, I, possibility of that? It makes sense to me. I, I don't. I've been confused as we've talked about. It. I've been confused by this Lamar Jackson thing all off season. I, I don't. I, all I've heard my entire life, uh, and I'm not young by any means, is that you do whatever you can to get a quarterback. You can't win without a quarterback. You need an elite quarterback. You, and here's a 26 year old out there, MVP, who's. I don't want to say he's out there for free because obviously we know he's asking for a lot of money and you got to give up two first round picks if you do sign him on a franchise tag, right? If you're not going to sign trade that you were talking about. And, but look at what the Jets gave up for Aaron Rodgers. Look at what the Broncos gave up for Russell Wilson. Two first round picks yeah. for a 26 year old former MVP is not that much. And nobody has made him an offer. None. And maybe after the draft something happened. I don't know. I, if I was Houston, I would do it. If I was Atlanta, I would have done it the first minute of free agency. Washington should have been in on that too. But, I think just the the specter of guaranteed, fully guaranteed deals. I think the owners have kind of really not wanted that in their game, and I don't know that they're colluding per se, legally speaking. But I think there's some kind of an uh, unspoken agreement of we're not going to do the Deshaun Watson deal again, which I think Lamar Jackson wants. We don't even know really what Lamar Jackson wants. Like I've never seen an actual figure of this is what he is asking for, this is what he wants. Cause he doesn't have an agent to leak that out there, so. Yes, to, to your point, if I was Houston, mm-hmm, no doubt. I'd, I'd have no problem signing Lamar Jackson. Why not? Like, what do you have to lose as a franchise? But it just hasn't happened yet. And I don't know what, if it didn't happen yet, what, why is it going to happen on, on April 30th? I, I mean, aside from the draft being passed and you've decided, hey, we need a quarterback now, I just, I, it's, it's a weird situation. It's one of the weirder free agent situations I can remember. Who got the better of the deal, the Packers or the Jets with the Aaron Rodgers deal? What do you see there? It's kind of one of those where I honestly think it's 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 fine range each way. I don't I, I can't call a winner there. I think they both got what they wanted. The okay. Jet, the Packers kind of cashed in their chips on Rodgers at the right time. I think they got a lot of value getting what it's going to be a first rounder next year because Rodgers going to hit that playing time. Yeah, if it, right. if he gets hurt the second, which isn't the end of the world either, they're going to get a good pick out of that. Got a couple other good picks, obviously. Moved up 15-13, which is kind of incremental, but that's fine. I mean, he got a little bit of value there. Squeeze that out. So I think it was fine for the Packers, who have a former first-round pick, ready to start for them. They want to get a look at him. And on the Jets, like you have to look at yourself, if you're the Jets, and say, with all this talent on offense, we have a fantastic defense and a really, really good defensive coach. We can win, but we need a quarter. How often do we watch the Jets last year and say, oh, "Man, yeah. if they just had a quarterback, they'd be a decent quarterback. They'd be in the playoffs." They had to have been thinking that. So if this ends up with the Jets, who have the longest playoff drought in professional sports right now, the four major American sports. If this ends up getting them in the playoffs, winning AFC East, maybe even getting them in a deep playoff run, which I actually think they can make, 
totally worth it for them. I, I just you don't like to invest in thirty nine year old quarterbacks. That's not really in your blueprint, but this is Aaron Rodgers, and they needed a, a just a competent quarterback so bad. And I think Rodgers still has a couple of years left of being a good quarterback. He's not going to win any more MVPs in his career, I don't think. But he can still be a good quarterback. And for that Jets team from last year, he's took a good quarterback on that roster. I think they yeah. could really do some damage in the AFC. Uh, they were 7-10 and 10 a year ago. No offense whatsoever. But all of a sudden now with Buffalo – if two is healthy, and that's always a big if, but Miami's got mm-hmm. a good squad. Hard to believe that um, that the team that dominated that division for years is was going to be the worst team in the division, and that's the Patriots, and they're not going to be that bad because they got a hell of a coach, and you know, they're right. making some changes. That's a heck of a division. It really is. I mean, I hate to go down this road again because I've – the AFC West last year really let us down. I mean, we're talking about that the best division we've ever seen on paper, and really wasn't anywhere close to that. But yeah, you look at this AFC East; it's really good. I thought the Patriots tonight are an interesting team. I mean, a lot of people have kind of, yeah, you know, said Mac Jones like he's kind of falling out of favor in New England with Belichick. What if one of the quarterbacks falls to them? What if? I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't know that we can necessarily predict where these quarterbacks are going to fall to. Could the Patriots be in line for a quarterback, move up to get a quarterback? I, it's always hard because you never know what's coming out of New England. They're never going to say. Yeah. So I think New England is actually one of the more interesting teams in this draft because they're just, they just don't care. They, they will do whatever they want to do. They are, they are fully ready to go against convention, pick who they want to pick. If it's not on anybody's board, they just don't care. And if, if they want to go get a quarterback because they're tired of Mac Jones, maybe they do that. Yeah. Uh, we here, of course, always interested in the NFC South. Uh, what kind of a difference does a Bryce Young make for the Carolina Panthers? I don't know. I, I mean, it's always tough to rely on a rookie quarterback that way, so I'm not sure you're one. But, right. I mean, I, I like him a lot. I like him a lot as a prospect. I if, I I've used the, tar- the line, like if he was 6'4", 220, he'd beat Trevor Lawrence as far as a, the, the grade of prospect. I think he's that good. He. He does. He checks every single box you want in a quarterback to show up one, and that's he's five ten. I mean, that's not a small thing. I mean, that's something that you're gonna have to manage. You're gonna have to co- like you know Sean Payton coaching Drew Brees when you know he was a shorter quarterback in the league. That's Certain right. things you have to do as an organization to kind of work around that. But man, I think Bryce Young's good. I think he wins. I think you can kind of see now. Like now, do we have some clarity that we've dealt with the 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 silly season with the draft and all that? We can kind of see that NFL teams. Have Bryce Young on a tier above everybody else at quarterback. That he's yeah. number one A as far as quarterback goes, and and whoever's number two is pretty far behind Bryce Young. So, yeah, I think the Panthers maybe not this year again rookie quarterback, but a couple of years from now, I think Bryce Young would be a really really good player in that division. Plays against the best teams and beats them all. Uh, that's all I care about. He's a winner and he's accurate. Frank Schwab, um, busy night. Enjoy. Thank you so much, man. I really do appreciate it. you're the best. Absolutely. I always appreciate it. Okay, buddy. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Back to wrap up our number one next. Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat-screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back LSU about to uh, take on Alabama starting tomorrow. Uh, Jake Johnson, the head coach on Tommy White and Trey Morgan, said they've gotten a ton of treatment. Those guys are intense competitors. If they can play, they are going to play. So hopefully LSU will be back in uh, full strength and full form for another SEC series. Congrats to the Cajuns for a big win yesterday. They got another game today. Huge, huge series coming up for the Cajuns in Sunbelt Conference play. Coming up, hour number two, uh, LSU football gets a big-time commitment. LSU women's basketball gets a huge commitment. We'll talk with Mike Scarborough, uh, one of the all-time LSU greats. Todd Walker of LSU Baseball will join us. We'll talk NBA playoffs with Christian Clark. Hour number two, the Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers, and the Houston Astros is coming up after the top of the hour sports update. Stay with us. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go with a busy, busy afternoon. My main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. You'll find Delta Media there, and that's where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head west on I-10. You'll find uh, Lake Charles, and you'll find KLCJ 1041. We're streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you got a television set, you can turn it on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Yesterday, LSU football picked up a big commitment. Today, LSU's women's basketball gets another Big-time commitment, so let's go to the guru of recruiting and other things all involving LSU from TigerBait.com, our good friend, Mr. Mike Scarborough. Michael, happy uh, hey. Thursday, my friend. How are you? Good. Just been running crazy. It's, um, you know, you think some seasons are over, and um, I, I was, before coming on with you, I'm just amazed at how Kim Mulkey can – uh, dominate uh, news cycles. Uh, you can have a trade as green, a top tight end commit, and one of the top uh, basketball players as well. Um, but she says she wants a new PMAC at the Rotary, so she dominates yesterday. And then this morning, Van Lift uh, commits All-American guard for Louisville in the portal. And uh, and then she's got the girl from DePaul on campus. So it, it's um, – I don't, I don't know how McMahon uh, uh, breaks into the news or, or, or gets uh, is, is able to get any uh, any any uh, excitement towards his program with uh, what uh, she's doing and what uh, baseball and football's uh, got going on. 
Well, you summed up the interview, Mike. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing good. <laughs> Tell me about Trey Dez Green, uh, 6'7", 240-pounder. Is he a better football player or is he a better basketball player? Um, that, that's a toughie. I, I think he's a better football player, but – um, I think he's kind of in a similar deal as like Brian Thomas, where uh, he was the best basketball player in the state of Louisiana. Now, I don't. It sure seems like the the, the state's been hasn't been producing a ton of uh, uh, high end uh, basketball players the last uh, handful of years. Um, I'm sure Matt McMahon would love for there to be a run like there was earlier this century when you had Big Baby and Tyrus Thomas and. Uh, the Temple Brothers and everybody else that uh, was seemed to uh, grow on trees around here, um, but uh, he, he's a fantastic athlete. And he's six foot six, almost six foot seven, can run, and um, uh, what a weapon that he can be in that LSU offense. And uh, you've you've got these athletic tight ends that just keep uh, being a big part of these new offenses and. Uh, Coach Denbrock at LSU stockpiling a bunch of them. I mean, there's some good tight ends in the state of Louisiana, uh, including one right there in Generette that uh, Alabama's offered that uh, LSU's not even really paying attention to because they're loading the wagon so big with tight ends right now. Yeah, they always have to take it with a grain of salt. I, who was the kid that was the highest rated tight end in the history of, of, of tight ends that Came to LSU, left. He's been here, there, and everywhere. What was his name? Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, he he he's got uh, he's got some issues upstairs that um, has been a problem for him. Yeah, no question. So you never know. You never know. But we'll see. Uh, um, you got to see the spring game. Um, when you look at it, there's still an opportunity for the portal. Uh, does LSU need some help somewhere? Uh, I think uh, you would, uh, if there's a really good corner that gets in there, you take one. If there's a really good offensive lineman, you would take one. Um, I think once healthy, it's safety. They're fine. But, um, you know, Coach Kelly said a couple of weeks ago that he didn't see, think that there would be a whole lot in the portal um, that could be a difference maker uh, right. at, at the level that LSU plays at. But there could, you know, could possibly be some uh, – that give you uh, some quality depth. And so we'll see. Um, but I think those are some of the positions there. Um, okay. You know, some might even suggest that uh, not knowing what's going to happen with John Emery, the fact that Armani Goodwin uh, can't seem to stay healthy. Um, yeah, you got two very good freshmen, uh, but maybe do you, maybe would, uh, uh, if there's a very good running back there, might you take an, uh, another running back? Okay, very good. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. I haven't heard anything about LSU players hitting the portal. Have you? No, and I'm shocked by that. Um, I just assume you have the spring game on Saturday and you have at least two or three getting there early in the week, and it's been absolutely quiet. And um, I mean, there's still a little bit of time, but, um, you know, and, of course, they'll do – uh, I know Coach Kelly really emphasized. Look, if you want, if you're going to get in the portal, sit down with me first. And um, might somebody get in there, possibly. But um, you know, it, it's they've, they've got so many positions that uh, where guys see a lot of opportunity. 
Um, I mean, we, we were talking a couple of weeks ago. What's going on with Terrence Welch? Is he, is he a guy that might hit the portal? He, his name right. wouldn't get dropped a whole lot. And then look at the spring game that he had. And so um, – and, and, and so that young man probably thinks that he's got a real opportunity to, to, to with some, for some significant reps in the fall. Mike uh, Scarborough, TigerBait.com. Um, golly, I think LSU's got the best quarterback in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, he looks like he looks like a guy that um, he's one. He's very talented, but two, he he's been in a system. He's got the same coaches. He knows the offense. He just looks so comfortable in his position. Um, that's why I think LSU's got to be one of the premier teams in the in the in the conference and in the country. Yeah, and if he can stay healthy like he did last year, um, he's he's bigger and stronger than he was last year. So if he was durable last year, does it? You would assume that uh, he's even going to be even more durable and able to withstand uh, the hits they took last year, but. Uh, I mean, he, he's, he certainly is a tough kid. Um, Nussmeyer looks like he had a great spring. Both of them performed well in the spring game. And so, you know, but how, how much better is this offense going to be when everybody on the offensive side of the ball is healthy? And then you get right. uh, even more guys that arrive on campus um, in June. And so you get Mason Taylor back. You get the Penton kid at tight end. Um you had Shelton Sampson and Kai Preen and Caleb Jackson. Um, there's, that, that offense it could be absolutely fantastic. And now what an offensive line that can be one of the better offensive lines in the country. Right, right. That's, that's the key to all of it. You're, you're absolutely correct. We um, mentioned Haley Van Lith. Um, it was a perfect scenario. She chosen – um, Louisville over Baylor. So that's when Kim was coaching Baylor. So she had that relationship with her. There was an opening. Alexis Morris goes to the WNBA. The LSU wins. It, it was a no brainer. I always anticipated when, when she got into the portal, I said, she's coming to LSU. I'm interested in the get the kid from, from DePaul who gets you 25 and 12 a night. If LSU gets that one, goodness gracious sakes alive. And then you got Michaela Williams coming in. Yep. I mean, it, it, it's. I mean, it, it, when you start saying who is the odds-on favorites to win the national championship in women's basketball next year, I, I, how, how would anybody have higher odds than LSU? I mean, the only thing that can derail them That's is right. going to be injuries. That is correct. My goodness gracious, um, she's something else. And so, 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 so. You know, I'm, I'm wondering how many season tickets are going to be sold for women's basketball. Now, I think she's going to have a better December schedule. You get South Carolina at home. How tough is that yeah. ticket? Uh, uh, that, that, that might be a 300-something-dollar yeah. ticket on StubHub the week of that one. Um, uh, it, 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 it's, it's going to be a, a, a crazy year next year. And, um, and they, but Kim's going to – she's going to uh, – probably get a little upset with everybody because everybody's going to be talking about winning back-to-back. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, all right, and busy day. The beat goes on. the banquet circuit right now. Does she have the same problem that Nick Saban had in 2004 where they all were out, you know, going to the governor's mansion and doing all the same stuff that her team's doing? And everybody comes in in the summer and is a little heavy. 
We shall see. Mike, thank you for your time, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Talk soon. Thanks. Take care. All right. We'll take a time out here when we come back. Uh, one of LSU baseball greats, Todd Walker, joins us next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The A2FA Festival returns to Honoredville this weekend. The festival features carnival rides, food, bingo, live musical entertainment, including the Adam Leger Band, Crossfire, and Gino Delafos and French Rockin' Boogie, to just name a few. Man, that's a mouthful. In addition to the music and rides, there's the Mayor's Cook-Off Contest on Saturday, Bingo and a Car Show on Sunday. For more information, visit www.arnardvillecatholic.org. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to The Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We are back, and it's going to be the longest intro I think I've ever had, but I think it warrants everything, so so just hang in there with me. He was an all-SEC performer for three years, SEC Player of the Year in 1993, was a first team, two-time first-team All-American, led LSU to the national championship in 93, where he was the College World Series' most outstanding player. He had a 396 cumulative batting average over three seasons. When he finished his college career, it was the SEC all-time leader in hits, runs, runs batted in, and total bases. He's a college baseball Hall of Famer, and he's the 11th LSU athlete or coach in any sport to have his jersey retired. Joining us now is the pride of Bossier City, Louisiana, the legendary Todd Walker. Whew. Man, how are you, my friend? Great, Jordy. How's it going? It's going great. Now you can add to your resume that you are um, among four former standouts that are now SEC baseball legends. Yourself, Auburn's Frank Thomas, George's Derek Lilliquist, and Kentucky's Joe Blanton. You will be honored and recognized at the upcoming SEC baseball tournament at Hoover Met Stadium, uh, May 23rd through the 28th. Congratulations. You deserve it. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of cool how they spread this stuff out. I mean, I'm 30 years removed now from playing down there, and uh, it, it it allows me to relive it. So it's really, really nice, really cool. <laughs> Not only are you all those other things, you're a part of the LSU Athletic Hall of Fame, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, and now – do a heck of a job as a baseball analyst for the SEC Network. You got a game tonight, um, Tennessee, Mississippi State. So I appreciate the time. Got to ask you about this LSU baseball team uh, that you were watching this year. They're the number one ranked team in the country. They they're kind of loaded. What do you think of them? Well, that's what scares me. You know, there has not been a number one team win the College World Series as a number one national seed since two thousand zero. Uh, okay. Twenty two years of it. So. Um, they're almost too good, it seems like. Uh, they found their number two in Ty Floyd. He had a big weekend this past weekend. You definitely need two guys. You can't just do it with one. They got Paul Skeen. Right. Um, and if they can find that third guy, I feel like Christian Little can be the guy. But whoever fills that third you know, rotation spot, that's going to be big too. But the offense is as good as it gets in the country. Uh, they've got Dylan Cruz, the best hitter in the country. 
uh, and a supporting cast. It's unbelievable. Bullpen was banged up. They got Ackenhausen back, so I, I think they're Chase Shores. They've lost him for the year, I think. Um, Garrett yes, Edwards should yes. be back, but you know, one of the one of the parts of winning national championships is staying healthy, and, and right now they're a little banged up in the bullpen. But other than that, uh, they're as good as it gets. The defense has been really good this year as well. You mentioned Dylan Cruz. When when you see him, um, what do you envision at the next level? Well, I, I mean, he's got a big arm. He's got instincts in the outfield. Um, you know, I've, I've always been, you know, the infield – Infield's a whole another beast, you know. But the outfield, I mean, um, you know, it is what it is. But he, but the the good thing for Dylan Cruz and probably why he's going to go so high is because he he can play center field. You know, he's not just relegated to the corners. Um, and then of course, you know, his his uh, you know bat to ball uh, barrel to ball contact is 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 second to none. Like he doesn't, you don't see him foul pitches off. He doesn't take take pitches that he knows he can drive. Um, and he's just you know he, he uh, you know he's the guy you circle lineup not to beat you, and so uh, you know that that obviously projects to the next level. And uh, quick bat, quick bat keeps his eyes still. You know um, can go the other way. So uh, he 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 he's a complete complete guy from the right side. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Todd Walker with us. Uh, when you look at the SEC in total, boy, there's a lot of good baseball teams in this thing. Take LSU out of the equation. Who do you really like that you've seen? Well, since I've had to dig into Tennessee this week, I'm really starting to like them. I mean, they're eight and ten in the league at this point. Last year, they were seventeen and one. I talked to Tony Vitello today, and I asked him. I said, uh, "Do you feel about as good this year as you do last year at this point? Even though those are the records, you know, between mm-hmm. last year and this year, he was seventeen and one last year, eight and ten this year." And he said, "Yeah, because it's starting to all come together. They had a new offense um, with eight of the nine guys starting this year that wasn't wasn't around last year, you know, so they." It was kind of unfair early in the year for Tennessee because they were, you know, everybody expected them to just beat everybody's brains in because of what happened last year. But it was a new group. But right about now, they're starting to figure out the the school, the uh, you know, the schedule and the SEC. They've got some really talented hitters in there. They won a dramatic game against Vanderbilt last Friday that I, right. I think catapulted them into sweeping that series against the best team in the conference at the time, Vanderbilt. And so I think you see Tennessee really starting to make a move right now. Florida's got some big power arms and some power bats. They're going to be there at the end. South Carolina is, is really playing well. Um, I think they're going to be there at the end. I mean, the SEC, at, at least three teams have gone to Omaha, the eight teams in Omaha, since 2017. So we're at least going to get three or four teams in there. Um, and if I was guessing, I would say it'd be South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Florida, and Tennessee, and then maybe a fifth. You know, I think LSU will be in there as well, but, you know, it's hard to predict. Like I said, Tennessee last year, 25-5 and five in the league, and didn't even get out of Super Regional. So, the curse of the number one seed. Let's hope. Let's hope LSU is number two this year. And they keep losing some midweek games. Maybe they will. What, what, any concern over that? They lost uh, last week to uh, the Raging Cajuns in Lafayette, and then they just lost to Nichols. What kind of weight factor do you put on those midweek games? Not much. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the same. It's the same conversation every year. Um, you know, that, that other team comes unfired up. It's their season to beat LSU during the midweek, um, yeah. you know, and, and they play with a little more, you know, uh, urgency, I think. Um, you saw Nichols just diving all over the place last week, you know, right. making incredible defensive plays and, um, and just outplayed them, really. I mean, 
Um, so I, I think that, uh, that there's a factor there. But, you know, if, if, if LSU really has to lock down and they got Paul Skeens on the mound, especially on opening night, um, it's going to be tough to beat them no matter who, who's in the country. But the midweek games, you know, they didn't even have Tommy White in lineup this past week. So that's a big right. deal. Uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I don't, I don't worry too much about it. It's every year. I'd worry about it if this was the first year it ever happened. But it's every year that, yeah. you know, LSU yeah. gets beat in the midweeks, and other teams do too throughout the SEC. Right. They shouldn't, probably shouldn't lose. But this isn't football. You know, it's baseball, and it's just yeah. uh, hard to predict. Okay. Um, nationally, um, any team caught your eye that uh, it looks like Wake Forest might be pretty good. Um, yeah. And then there's always those smaller schools, the Coastal Carolinas, and people like that. So what do you, what do you see nationally? So I looked at I looked at the top twenty five, and, and the first thing I look at is is pitching. You know, because baseball is all pitching. You've got to have the arms. Coastal Carolina's yeah. team staff ERA is a six and a half. That's not going to get it done, even though they're six or mm-hmm. seven in the country. They can swing it. Hitting three twenty as a team, seventy three home runs, but coastal, you know, I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, but then you got teams on down the line, like uh, you know, Miami's got a pretty elevated ERA as well, five and a half. Um, but like Dallas Baptist at nineteen, they're three, three and a three and a half. So again, I look at pitching staffs, and it's a general kind of deal. But you know, you look at the guys that can throw it because that's all baseball is—is is guys on the mound that can dominate and. Of course, inside the league, the guys I already mentioned, like Tennessee and South Carolina and Vanderbilt and LSU, all have big arms. Florida, uh, that can pitch and get it done. Georgia, actually starting to find some arms, and that's why they're, they won six out of eight. They went started one and nine, now they're six out of eight. Yeah. Uh, but I look through the pitching staffs, you know, Dallas Baptist, I like. Um, you know, but these mid-majors, when they come in and they have to play these, these horses, like, you know, Tennessee may not host, so they're going to have to go somewhere and be a number two seed. I'd hate to right. play them as a number two seed, you know, and um, right. these mid-majors, it's just too difficult for them. Well, look, I, look, I appreciate the time. I know you got a ball game to, to, to call tonight, so uh, thank you for that. Congratulations as the SEC legend still. You're the one player. It always seemed like uh, when LSU had a big moment and a big opportunity, you always had the bat in your hand, and – invariably you seem to always deliver it just it just seemed to be the way the, the karma was in in touch with one another and you made it happen so you are a legend congratulations on that man continued success you still playing the hitting the tennis ball a little bit or have you gone to pickleball now i've actually moved to pickleball man it's easier on my body the, my arm doesn't doesn't hurt that that unnatural <laughs> over the top motion you know now in pickleball it's all below like softball you know and everything's underneath and so you're not going to hurt your arm i'm getting old man Love so it. <laughs> I hear you, brother. Where, you know, I can let's I can get, stay on the court. Let's get on the court. Let's do it. You're a righty. I'm a lefty. Let's do it, Todd. Congratulations. <laughs> Safe travels, awesome. man, and all that stuff, and have fun this evening. Thank you, man. Thank you, Jordy. All right, like Todd Walker, kind enough to join us. We'll take a quick time out here. When we come back, we'll talk NBA playoffs. They, how good have they been? How good have they been? Who thought the Knicks versus the Heat? in the NBA Eastern Conference semifinals. We'll talk with Christian Clark next. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back. Time to talk a little NBA playoffs. 
It's been fantastic. Christian Clark was going to join us. We're having a tough time reaching him. Maybe maybe he's tracking Zion Williamson. Maybe Zion lost about 15 pounds, and he's back and going to be ready to roll for next year. Yeah, wishful thinking, right? Wish Wishful thinking. But these playoffs have... Um, uh, have been sensational. And you, you can criticize the NBA with all their load management and the, the 82 games and you go pay the money and you, you don't see the superstar because he's taking the day off. Well, nobody's taking day offs now. These playoffs have been fantastic. Here's Christian Clark from NOLA.com. Uh, covers the Pelicans on a daily basis, but he loves the NBA uh, in total. Christian, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Hey man, I'm I'm doing really well. I'm uh, I'm enjoying these playoffs uh, a lot, like you, man. I think they've they've been great. Last night was uh, an incredible lineup. Oh, I, I mean, two four games. Come on, can we spread it out? We only got one game tonight. We could have done two and two and two. oh, I understand. I know it's the NFL draft, and the NBA wants to get it out of the way with the Celtics and the Hawks. Boston leading three games to two. What series has intrigued you the most? Because we've had some. Some surprises here, particularly in the East. Yeah, I mean, probably the two is uh, Golden State and, and Sacramento. I mean, it looks yeah. like Golden State's going to win, um, but they certainly got tested. And, and then, you know, the other one has to be Miami and Milwaukee. I mean, that was the most shocking playoff series I've, I've seen in a couple of years, I think. I mean, I felt so confident before the game started last night that Milwaukee was going to win. You know, I didn't know if they could win three times in a row, but I was like, at home, game five, down 3-1, you know, you're, you're probably the favorites to win the championship going into the playoffs. You know, at least extend it to six, right? You extend it to seven. For them to blow that lead in the fourth quarter, already down 3-1, was stunning to me. Mike Budenholzer has to be in jeopardy with his job. The way they, like you said, the way they folded, they got 38 and 20 from Giannis. They got 33 from Middleton. They got 18 from Lopez, 16 and nine from holiday. So they're getting the numbers from their best players, but man, they made bonehead play. Horrendous play. I think Mike Budenholzer might get fired from this. I I think he might. And, you know, I would have to say, I I think it might be justified. Honestly, yes. I mean that was that was an all time collapse. Um, I mean the the one that a lot of people are going to remember is they take Brook Lopez out of the game. The Heat tied up at the end of regulation on this lob play, which was a great call right away. But they didn't have their best rim protector in the game, and then it's tied with half a second left. The Bucks don't use a timeout. Right. I think I think I saw going around today that Eric Spolster said in the huddle, "What the heck were they doing? They had a timeout. They didn't even use it." Yeah, absolutely. He just said, "Oh, heck, we're going to go to overtime. The heck with it." Yeah, I think he is in serious, serious trouble, Coach Budenholzer. I, I I'll be shocked if he does not lose his job after after that one. An eight seed beats a one. Jimmy Butler's been uh, unbelievable. The Heat totally underachieved during the regular season and they tanked the game on purpose to get this matchup. I humbly, I, I firmly believe it. They're, they're much better than an, the eighth best team in the East. Don't you agree? Oh, definitely. I, I think they are. And, and I mean, Jimmy Butler has just shown us consistently. Oh. He, he could just raise his game a level or two when the playoffs start. I, I think 
it was going around today. Uh, Jimmy hit, I believe, nine pull-up threes in the entire regular season. He hit eight pull-up threes in that series. He almost hit as many yep. pull-up threes in that series as it did in the entire yep. regular season. I mean, just shot the heck out of it off the dribble, really tough ones. Um, I mean, he's just an incredible competitor. And that sets up an Eastern Conference semifinal of Miami versus the New York Knicks. Uh, it's, a, it's amazing what one player can do to galvanize a team. And Dallas has got to be just sick to their stomach that they let Jalen Brunson go. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Mark, I mean, they're, they're in a tough spot right now. I mean, they are in a very tough spot of – the best thing they can do is is re-sign Kyrie Irving, and it's probably going to take a max deal Ugh. over four years. And you know he's been one of the most unreliable players in the NBA. But that's yep. that's a better alternative than losing him for nothing. So they're <laughs> in a really yeah. tough spot. I, I watched uh, almost all of um, the Knicks game against the Cavs and, and them closing it out. And and Brunson was incredible. But I, I feel like we kind of have to talk about uh, Louisiana boy Mitchell Robinson too. No I doubt. Mean, he, he dominated Jared Allen and Devin Mobley. Yeah, 13 points, 18 rebounds, and the former Pelican, who's been a great acquisition by the Knicks and Josh Hart. Um, didn't score much, but, man, his 12 rebounds, two assists, plays defensively. Um, yeah, you're right. That's a good team. They are. I, and Tom Thibodeau is a good coach, too. You know, I mean, I know – the the people on Twitter are like he plays his he plays his players too many minutes. He just he just wins a lot, and I know you know he probably is hard to play for, and uh, you know maybe like Stan Van Gundy, there are some uh, three hour practices in there, but yeah, I mean he just he just gets results, man. I mean his teams are just good. The Brunson acquisition was incredible, um, and I've I've always loved Josh Hart. I mean I thought I thought it was the yeah. right move to to get C.J. McCollum and. I still do, even after the way this year went. I, I, I think you you definitely do that, but it hurt to lose Josh Hart. I mean, that guy is a hooper, and I, I always felt like Josh Hart would would shine when he got to the postseason stage. Like his game seemed suited for this time of year, and I'm I'm glad we're finally getting to see it. And we just do this for television purposes only, and just do it for like a minute or two. Can we get? Jeff Van Gundy back on the Knicks bench, and can we get Pat Riley back on the Heat's bench and let those two coach for a minute or two? How fun would that be? They <laughs> well, that do was, it. That was honestly a little kind of before my time, um, but I am excited <laughs> that we are going back to the future a, a little bit here. I think this is going to be a really fun series, and and we've got the, the Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau angle to this, too. Yeah, we know best two buddies. guys love each other. And, and yeah. you know, Jimmy became Jimmy under Tibbs. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think we all believe that Boston is going to uh, close out their series. And that means Boston versus Philadelphia. So much would be uh, on the, the health issue of Joel Embiid, who had to be doing uh, a hand clap and just screaming when Atlanta won uh, that game the other night to make it a 3-2 series in favor of Boston. That means Philly gets a little bit more rest and he'll be good to go. But let's let's go over to the West because um, you mentioned it. The Warriors down, down two games to none. Um, they That leadership, that we've been there, done that, I, I think that plays a huge part. 
Uh, and they all they had to do was win one game on the road, and they did it last night, and they got it from their trio in Curry, Thompson, and coming off the bench now, Draymond Green, who was terrific. I, I love Draymond Green. Uh, maybe an, an unpopular opinion around these parts. Um, I do too. This is this is why they put up with, you know, the antics sometimes. This is why they put up with him getting you know, 20 technical fouls every regular season. Yeah. Um, I mean, just an incredible competitor, a guy who raises game kind of like Jimmy when it matters the most. And, I, you know, one thing I think we don't talk enough about Curry is he's in such good condition and he just runs all game on the offensive end, whether he has the ball or not. And it just, yeah. that combined with the shooting, like just stresses the defense out so much. Like the, the play where they, the, the kind of dagger shot where Curry just had the ball in his hands and did like four circles. Like it was, yeah. it was a little bit Steve Nashish, but it's like this guy's like 34. He's accomplished everything, and he's still just like running circles around younger dudes. Like his his conditioning and just like the the pace he plays yeah. with at every game is incredible to me. I'm going to go way old school. He looked like early Neil of the Harlem Globetrotters dribbling circles around P. I mean, that was uh, unbelievable how good he was. Uh, I'm a believer in the Sacramento Kings. I don't know how they put this team together, what they did, but my good De'Aaron Fox has become a superstar. Another Kentucky Wildcat, Malik Monk off the bench. Sabonis is terrific. They got the veteran in Barnes, Keegan Murray, the youngster. I mean, that's uh, Kevin Herter can shoot it. That's, I mean, who... And Mike Brown's done a terrific job, man. That's a that's a heck of a basketball team. I never saw it coming. I know they're they're really good. Um, I mean, Fox, you know, all year was was the best clutch player in the NBA. No, I mean, doubt. he's he's definitely showed up in this series. I mean, I, I kind of feel like, I mean, look, I think they've had a, a good showing so far. I mean, getting two wins yeah. off the Warriors is good, and they could still come back and win the series. But I feel like. Where they've got a little bit disrupted is Golden State has tried to to not make Sabonis be a playmaker. Like they've kind of cut off his passing lanes, um, and I think that has disrupted them at, at sometimes. But they are really nice, man. And and like I love to see Mike Brown have this success. You know, like he's yes. had some wins, he's had some losses. Like it seems like you know he's really put in all the work, and like I'm I'm happy to see him do well. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Christian Clark, NOLA.com, covers the Pels. Let's go to the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Um, the Grizzlies showed a lot of resolve. That backcourt was dynamic last night. My goodness gracious. And Bain and Morant combined for 64 points. Lakers got a great game from from uh, Anthony Davis. He's been terrific. Uh, LeBron looked a little bit tired. He, he's, he's getting up in age, but he gets to go back home, and I guarantee you he's looking around going, Hey, no way I'm getting back on a plane and going back to Memphis. I ain't doing it. How much stock do you have in the Lakers wrapping this thing up? Uh, unfortunately, I think they, they probably will in game six. Yeah. I, I hate to, to feel that way. But, uh, I mean, I, I think if the Grizzlies weren't so depleted in the front court, I, I would have liked them in this series. And, uh, I mean, honestly, I thought they would still win coming into it. Um, but, you know, like the the loss of Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark, like it it makes them kind of thin in in the front court. I mean, obviously they're relying on Tillman, um, Santiago Aldama, but like that's that that's a pretty devastating you know one two 
loss for them. Um, and uh, man, it's it's. I mean, if they do lose in the first round, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, they have so much young talent, but they're they're maybe arriving at a pivot point. I mean, they they got to do something on the wing. I mean, they can't have Dylan yeah. Brooks starting for them no, on the wing. Can't shoot. Year. No, can't shoot. All you do is talk and tra- trash talk. But look, if the Lakers do what we both think they're going to do and wrap this thing up, I, I look at the next matchup against Golden State. Who's Austin Reeves going to guard? Who's D'Angelo Russell going to guard? They can't keep up with that backcourt. I think the Golden State Warriors cruise through to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I would I would definitely like Golden State in, in that series. I mean, this is a better Lakers roster. Like, that trade really did make them a much better team. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's still... It's still pretty flawed, and and man, Golden State the way they played last night, that was like, oh, okay, this team yeah. still has that gear where they could get back to the finals. Yeah, Pearson, they're getting better. They're getting they're progressively getting better throughout this run. Um, I like them to get to the uh, to the uh, championship round of the of the West, and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, they may have to play in Denver with that altitude. That might be tough. But, uh, man, I'm not counting Golden State out at all. Let's talk about the Pels real quick. You see all these playoffs. You see the roster. Let's say, let's say the Pels roster is, heaven forbid, fully 100% healthy throughout the year, and they get into the playoffs. Is it enough to be a team that can compete for a championship, or do you still see a need on this team? Oh, man. Well, assuming they have... They have full health. I don't know what what we would have to do to uh, to get that to happen. Let me know if you if you know. Um, man, they would. I mean, I, I think they just need to go through some battles first. Like that's that's yeah. one of the things that was disappointing to me. It's like Zion needs those reps. Like he needs yep. those high leverage reps. I think. And like even if they got eliminated in the first round, like it would just be great for him to experience that and and how much more difficult it is on that stage. Um, but, I mean, I, th- I think, like, yeah, potentially. And, and I guess the one thing I would say is maybe you look at the starting center position because I, I like Jonas Valanciunas a lot as a player. Um, I, just, I just worry about him defensively, you know, on a team that's attempting to yeah. win four rounds. Right, right. That's his, that's his Achilles heel. He can't cover, especially with the – the mobile big men that can take you outside and put the ball on the deck and go to the hole. They just blow right past him. So uh, he's a good player, but I think he's a player that needs to come off the bench and give you a couple of minutes here, get you some rebounds there. But for him to play 30, 35 minutes, I'm not so sure about that. Trey Murphy made a quantum leap from year one to year two. He's got to improve defensively as well. But where do you see his ceiling? I mean that's a that's a great question because he's he's one of those guys who is a late bloomer. I mean he was five foot eight in high school, um, you know at a point in time didn't really have many Division one offers. Starts his college career at Rice of all places. Does two years there, grows four inches while he's at Rice. Ends up at University of Virginia. They originally thought he was going to play two years at Virginia, and he had a right. nice year, and then goes into the NBA draft. And you know he's this six foot ten kind of athletic freak with a with a great jump shot. You know, I think one of the interesting things about it, like the outside shooting, yes, it's obvious. We can all see it. 
the dunking, like we all saw that this year, second in the slam dunk contest. I mean, he has in-game hops too. Like he can really dunk on people in games. But like he, I don't think he was overall a very good defender this year. But I think he could be. Like he has length and athleticism, and like he still has a lot of baby deer moments. But like he wasn't good, and yet he was second on the Pelicans in both steals and blocks. Like he's a guy who could, could at times be disruptive. So like I, I don't know. He just has athleticism and length and i just think in today's nba like those are just two important parts of being a good defender you got to get some other components of that though yeah 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 um we'll see Uh, if if we're a skiff right we'd all be sailing and um what's what's zion's optimal weight do you think i know they had this discussion they have it all the time but man he came into camp and really, he looked great, and then he gets hurt, and he puts on the weight again. But what, what do you think? Tell me about that exit meeting. What, what did that? What was that like? Oh man, that's a that's a great question. I mean, Zion did not talk to reporters after the season ended. Um, he talked a, a few days before it did. Um, it's it's kind of funny. I've I've asked people on the Pelicans what is his optimal weight, and the the figure I've heard the most is. 265. I think that was pretty close to what he what he was at at Duke. Um, I think he's consistently played 30 to 40 pounds heavier than that in the NBA. Um, yeah. And I mean to like get to that point, I just think it would take like a radical rethinking in everything he does. Honestly, I yes. mean yes. the diet I think has been a problem for most of his pro career, and yeah. the training too. Like, I mean, I'm not going to pretend I know everything he does, but. Like if I was, if I was, you know, I guess if I got to ask him some questions about exactly what he does in training, like I would be interested to know how much do you spend on like flexibility. Like if, like if I was advising him, I'd be like, dude, do hot yoga like five, six times a week. Just become like crazy flexible so you can shock absorb yep. when you jump forty five yep. inches in the yep. air and get as lean as possible. Um, quit, I think yeah, that quit should lifting be a the really important part of what run. he does. Yeah. Yeah. Take Pilates, take yoga, um, do that hot yoga, quit lifting all those weights. You can't get any bigger. You, you, I mean, just, you need to, you need to become a basketball body. There's no question you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, all right, Christian Clark, let's watch one more game tonight and then we'll, we'll see what happens. But boy, these playoffs have been so stinking good. And I thank you for your time, man. I really do. Of course, man. I love this time of year. Thanks for having me on. You got it, brother. Do you take care? Christian Clark, NOLA.com, talking NBA playoffs. One game tonight. Boston trying to close out the Atlanta Hawks in Beantown, up three games to two. Back to wrap things up next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And we thank our partners each and every day. ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, Cleaning America's Air from the Inside Out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and permanent fat reduction. Eon, Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. DC's Little Capital Exxon. With their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner home of the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. 
The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, time to uh, put this one to bed. Special thanks to Al Salas on the Saints draft tonight. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports on the entirety of the NFL draft. Mike Scarborough and LSU recruiting. Todd Walker, SEC legend. Christian Clark on the NBA playoffs. Saints draft tonight, number 29, or maybe not. Maybe they move up. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But either way, we'll come back and we'll talk about it tomorrow. If today, April 27th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with a pretty good tennis player, but he's very volatile. Nick Kyrgios is 28 years old. And from back in the day, the Iceman, the Iceman can finger roll. George Gervin is 71 years old today. The Iceman, terrific player. Uh, Tomorrow, the regular crowd, Larry Holder, We'll wrap up round one of the NFL draft. George Faust from KLFY, George Becknell, James Besh, and I will make some picks. We'll preview LSU baseball versus Alabama and so much more. Speaking of James Mesh, thank you for all you do, sir. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do. We greatly appreciate it. Our partners, we couldn't do it without you. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And please be happy. Up next, crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. So long, everybody.